0: Five percent of all UFO sightings can be immediately identified. It's the 5% they give you the release. Whoa. Whoa. Pilots chase them sometimes, but can't catch them. There are near misses between these things and commercial aircraft. And you saw the disk over it? These are very hard to dismiss, the, the handful of sightings. A UFO in broad daylight near Paris. We suddenly observed a very bright red and orange
1: object. It was oval. UFOs have interfered with missiles. I saw something that defied logic. Orbits after the moves. Ordered a strange craft, triangular in shape. On the, the triangular shaped craft.
2: Mystery craft being seen.
1: Dark metallic in appearance. Flying craft. There's an orange orb.
2: Glowing orb. Glowing orbs. A giant ball of light.
3: Glowing object. Could be aliens.
4: Let's continue to take a look at UFO's The Great Last Days Deception. The second lie that they teach is not only that we could suppose to become little gods or are little gods, but they say that the occult is actually good. As you saw in the previous video, UFO entities teach that in order to contact them, you should refrain from certain foods and practice meditation. You need to develop your psychic abilities and you should seek direction directly from the quote, spirit world via a psychic, a channeler a palm reader, astrology, so-called angels, or even dead relatives. Now, the first obvious question is this, why do I have to use occult techniques in order to contact a supposed alien if they're supposedly a higher evolved technological race? I mean, you'd think I'd be able to use a walkie talkie or some other normal scientific communication device. Why is it only through occult techniques that contact can be made? Well. It just so happens, folks, that the Bible calls this type of communication a demonic deception and an abomination to God. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 9-14 states, When you enter the land the Lord your God has given you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. Let no one be found among you who sacrifices his son or daughter in the fire, who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or cast spells, or who is a medium, or spiritist, or who consults with the dead. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord, and because of these detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out the nations before you. You must be blameless before the Lord your God. The nations you will dispossess listen to those who practice sorcery or divination, but as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so." Okay? And so, just like you'd expect, if you violate this biblical rule and seek direction from demons instead of God, um, you get lied to, like this next video clearly shows. Let's take a look.
5: Joe Fisher had researched metaphysics for many years before encountering the world of channeling. In his book, Fisher tells how he was invited to the home of a woman he calls Aviva, who claimed that there were entities from another dimension speaking through her. A small group of people gathered weekly to witness the various voices who would take control of Aviva.
6: I was so impressed with the, 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 the accents, the, the personalities, the, the different languages that were produced by Aviva in her trance state that I said to my friends, uh, among them several journalists, You've got to see this. You've got to come to this house and witness this for yourself, which they did. And the group uh, by me introducing people by these other people also introducing other people the group swelled to about to close to 30 at its peak he phoned up and
7: said uh, you know I found this group that meets on Friday night and you know you've uh, it's just great and you've gotta come and uh, and uh, and see what's happening and
6: I think uh, you know the intimation was that this was almost a secret society and so you can imagine there was a lying down uh, on her Chesterfield with her little pink slippers pointed towards the ceiling going into trance and she would Switch from one voice to another that is different guide so-called guide speaking through her as each different person in the room would speak and they would go around the room Different and they would never introduce themselves a voice would come out and immediately the voice the voice that she was producing would change in Accordance with the voice that asked the question and and all of these these entities these beings were what we
7: would call inside of her physical body. Um, we would see a lot of changes that would, would take over. It wasn't just the voices, but in being re- relatively close to her as these beings were coming through, I could see the, the difference. I could see the characteristics of, of these, these entities as, as they came through. Her body uh, and, and particularly
6: her face would, and that would change. Her eyes were closed, she couldn't see this. It was all done, I don't know how it was done. To this day, I have many questions about just what was going on. But all I know is that Laurence Olivier, on his finest day at the Old Vic, could never have produced this array of different inflections and voices and languages um, within a space of an hour. Each one of us
7: had, uh, had a major, major guide, like Russell was um, her guide
6: and Tuktu was mine. And I spoke to the entity that came forward, Russell Parnick, and he he described himself as a, as a sheep farmer from the last century. That was his last last incarnation. And he proceeded to tell me that I had a guide too who was looking after me on, on the earthbound plane, or rather the guide was in the disembodied realm. And her name was Philippa, she was Greek, that her and I had been together in Greece in the 18th century, and it was now her responsibility in this other realm to oversee my spiritual development while I was on Earth.
5: Fisher was intrigued by the entity claiming to be Philippa, his spirit guide. While it was speaking through Aviva, he taped the voice and took it to a linguistic specialist at the University of Toronto to verify its authenticity.
6: Uh, This man's name is Dr. George Thaniel, and he's a native-born Greek himself. So I thought, the perfect, you know, the linguistics professor who is a Greek by birth. He listened to two tapes of Philippa speaking, and he said, in part, this is a native-born Greek woman speaking. So I thought, well, there is proof that Aviva is not concocting this. She hasn't just been to the library, read some Greek, and then is making it up for me. Um, and even if she were to learn Greek, she would be unable to speak with the voice of a native-born Greek.
5: With such impressive evidence, Fisher embarked on a journey to validate the claims of the guides. Had they lived previous lives?
7: Joe, uh, Joe's involvement and, and that uh, became quite enhanced. He had, had decided at that point that this was something unique and marvelous, and that he was going to write a book on, um, on channeling and, uh, and, and bring out all of this wonderful information that we were given and actually go and, and source these various entities. Uh, I mean you have to realize that there was 25 or 30 people in this time had been involved and each one of them had guides and each each one of these guides had, had lifetimes and backgrounds and he was going to find Russell, proof of Russell's existence and proof of his guides existence and that was going to be part of the uh, of the book. And that was going to substantiate this wonderful information.
5: Fisher's first trip took him to England, where Aviva's spirit guide, Russell Parnick, claimed to have lived as an 18th century sheep farmer.
6: If you spoke about living near the village of Heathfield in Yorkshire, and the village I went, I visited it, it was there just as he had described, just a few houses and a, a little church, this sort of thing. And uh, he, uh, Russell spoke about a Uh, the Druid's stones nearby, which were half a day's ride away on horseback. You know, touchingly evoked in last century language, and that was there just as he said. He said he had a 22-acre farm. I wasn't able to find the farm, but he said that the farm abutted onto the Burn gill, which was a little stream that ran into the larger Nitherdale River, and the stream and the river were there. However, when I came to the litmus test again of finding Russell Parnick. I searched high and low in the records, in the church records, in the government
5: records, he was nowhere to be found. Another guide, Ernest, claimed to have been a bomber pilot with the Royal Air Force in 99 Squadron in World War II. Once again, Fisher went to great lengths to prove this claim, even interviewing surviving members of the squadron, only to leave disappointed.
6: Now, most of the historical and and geographical information he had provided was accurate, was there. There's only one problem. Ernest, the bomber pilot, did not exist. I couldn't find him in the records. So I came back to Toronto and uh, I told him I was much impressed with the, the fact that I, all this information was there. There was just this one problem that I couldn't find him. Then he went into a great song and dance about karma, how he has a charge sitting in his room who his, he, he must look after. And he had realized too late that the information he was giving me might be detrimental to the welfare of his charges on the earthbound plane and he had decided he said to change the information to backtrack now I argued with him at great length I said you could have told me this before I left if you'd felt this and even so uh, you started off by giving me your name before you de- had this change of change of mind and the name that I was looking for was just not in the records and he weaseled and whined and, and, and in, invoked the higher laws So he got out of it, but the question remained with me, was Ernest telling the truth, was he not? I will have to check out other guides to find out whether this is true
5: or not. The obvious choice of guides to investigate was his own, Philippa, whom he had come to trust as a result of his personal effort to make contact.
6: You see, initially, Philippa encouraged me to contact her and that she said that, that rather than just go through a medium, the, most, the best way to contact your guide was directly. And she said that if I concentrated on her every day for 15 minutes or more, that I would be able to make this contact after, after a period of time. And, uh, and so every morning I would go up to my study and I would train myself, my mind, on making contact with her. Nothing happened for weeks and weeks and weeks, but eventually, an image of a woman walking towards me in a white wrap was presented to my inner vision. And I was convinced that this was Felipe, and I, my response was to weep, and I, I cried for several minutes. And again, when I went back to the group, Felipe, I, I didn't have to say anything. Felipe said, you see, we have made contact. And again, this was another one of the bricks in the wall. So he said, well, yeah, he was gonna go off, and, uh, and, and, and
7: his, his guide, who loved him dearly and certainly would not um, deceive him, um, had given him all this information and he had maps and research and he was going to go and, and, and find her. He couldn't find Russell, you know. Uh, n- r- the entity known as Russell had never been born in that parish or lived in that place, but enough of it fitted. I mean, he knew the general area, same as, as Ernest knew about um, World War II bombers and, and things like that. But Joe knew that he, that,
6: uh, he could never be deceived by his guide. Now. I then went to Greece looking for Philippa, and a similar thing happened. I was looking for the village of Theros, which she had said was only five days' walk away from the Black Sea, again, touchingly evoked in the old ancient language, which made me believe her initially. I went to the town of Alexandropolis in uh, north, what is it, eastern, northeastern Greece, and it was there that the, 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 that the edifice on which her testimony was based on, which was already crumbling because of the the, the, the failure of, of, the, of her colleagues to, to pan out. Uh, I, was, I had expected Alexandropolis to be an ancient city based on Alexander the Great, and when I went there, I found that it, that it, it, it wasn't, and that in fact that Alexandropolis was only built, I think it was at the beginning of this century, the, at the end of the last century, and Philippa was talking about it having existed in her day, and this could not have been. So I I carried on my search there, looking for more clues to her existence. But Philippa, even though her Greek had been uh, veridical,
4: Philippa too went the
6: same way. And it was a wrenching disillusionment for me.
4: Gee, no wonder God bans this practice. (laughs) As you saw, he doesn't want people to be lied to and deceived by demonic presences, which again, UFO occupants just happen to encourage. I find that strange. But the lie number three is they say Christianity is bad. UFO entities teach that Christianity is the biggest culprit in uh, uh, the earth because uh, they're destroying the earth by teaching that man had dominion over the earth when the earth, they say, is actually a living being. And they say that we need to worship her, i.e. Mother Earth, and we need to change our ways or we will be destroyed. Really? Well, first of all, this is another age-old fashion pagan false teachings we saw earlier uh, called Gaia worship. But I don't know about you. I, I I'm just so glad that nobody's fallen for this lie to worship the earth. Well, folks, actually, Mother Earth worship is spreading fast to almost every sector of society as well. Let's take a look. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Deep in the woods of North Carolina, an extremist eco-group called Earth First bewails the violation of American nature.
8: I want to mourn the loss of all the
6: old growth i
8: And tell them that we love them and that we don't want them to die. That there are some people here who do care. So I want you to know that, Dries. That we care. I think we are deeply hurting in America. I think we are deeply craving answers i think that we've lost our identity as we have evolved into technology and into industrialized society bring me to this cathedral bring me to those guys bring me to this rock that has the most incredible life that makes me feel alive mrs why why should we care about Earth or mother earth
3: well, mother earth is the mother She's the mother goddess. She's the one that we should be praising rather than raping. I mean, all of these people here today are here for one reason, because they're concerned about what's happening to the Earth, what mankind is doing to the Earth. I mean, the negative emotion that we carry around a lot of us is, is another contributor to the Earth. I mean, it all keeps the moon. What we have to do is be true to ourselves. We're true to ourselves. We'll be true to Mother Earth. Mother Earth's going to be bountiful. She's going to give us everything we need. She has for a long time. We've lost our way. The just don't know how to do it, and the Indians, some of them, still remember how to do it. The earth is a living organism. We're killing the one reed. we love the most, and she loves us. We've got, to, we've got to praise our Mother Goddess.
2: The women's movement today is being called the women's spirituality movement in great part. And that's because it's not just concentrating on areas of social and political reform, but it's looking hard and fast at spiritual reform women are gathering today in circles just as their 1960 counterparts did in consciousness raising circles but now they're not just knocking down that door to a man's world asking for entrance instead they're looking at the myths spiritual beliefs religions values everything that runs our culture everything that feeds our souls we're gonna take a look at the women's spirituality movement as it's been called by the women participating in it who are weaving new stories of a returning goddess. They believe she's back on the planet, alive and well, and she can do a lot for you.
5: The goddess is alive. Magic is a foot.
8: The goddess is alive. Magic is a foot.
1: What the goddess means to me is wholeness and peace.
9: The goddess means to me my internal strength. She has come to me and shown me the beauty that is within myself. The goddess is my voice. She is my self-empowerment. She's my self-respect. As a result, my life has really undergone some
2: major transformations, not only creatively, um, but in
9: the pathway that I have now started to take. And I have uh, I have the works of Z Budapest to thank for that.
8: The goddess is alive. Magic is alive. The goddess is alive. Magic is alive. The goddess is. moment in Earth's history, a time when humanity must choose its future. The dominant patterns of production and consumption are causing environmental devastation. Injustice, poverty and violent conflict are widespread, and the cause of great suffering.
10: Fundamental changes are needed in our values institutions and ways of living. The Earth Charter provides an ethical foundation for building a more sustainable world respecting nature, universal human rights, economic justice, and a culture of peace. The creation of the Earth Charter was achieved through a decade-long worldwide cross-cultural dialogue on commonly shared values. Beginning with the 1992 Earth Summit in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, the Earth Charter drafting process continued gaining momentum at the 1995 Earth Charter International Workshop in The Hague, Netherlands.
8: This unique, participatory and inclusive process continued over the next five years through national and regional workshops worldwide. Earth Charter Commissioners carefully considered the outcomes of this international consultation as they worked in the final drafting of the Charter. A new phase began in the year 2000 with the official launching of the Earth Charter.
1: We make this gift of service To all our brothers and sisters in the human family, especially to the children, to those who suffer in poverty and under oppression, and to future generations, we make this gift of service to the greater community of life.
0: And today, we came together and we launched in the United States, and make no mistake about this, we launched the Earth Charter, our Declaration of
9: Interdependence.
4: And it's precisely why the Bible says God's wrath is being revealed from heaven because of the behavior you just saw. Because people have the audacity to worship created things, even the earth, instead of the Creator, God, the one who made the earth. This is what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18-25. through The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. Therefore, God gave them over in their sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they what? They worshiped and served created things rather than the Creator, who is forever praised. Amen. But that's not all the fourth lie they say and teach is that Christianity they say is outdated. UFO entities teach that Christianity is false and outdated and, and that there's no such thing as sin and hey, we don't even need to be saved. Really? That's not what the Bible says. Romans chapter 3 verse 23 and chapter 6 verse 23 says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But the fifth lie, they say, is Christianity is not just outdated. Hey, they say Christianity is just flat out wrong. UFO entities teach that orthodox Christianity has it completely wrong. They say that Jesus' real message was to teach us that each one of us could become Christ's. Really? Well, that's not what we saw earlier in the Bible where Jesus specifically warned about this lie. Let's re-quote that verse, Matthew 24, verse 4-5. through five. Jesus answered, Watch out that no one deceives you. Well, what are they going to do? Keep reading. For many will come in my name, Jesus says, claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. And then of course, not so shocking, when you consider the source of these entities, the sixth lie uh, is they have come apparently all the way across the universe to tell us that the devil is a good guy. UFO entities actually teach that the devil or Lucifer is actually a good guy and he's come here to free us. Really? Well. Let me just share with you a few of the names of the Bible that's used to describe this so-called good guy, i.e. the character of Satan. Here's what the Bible says. He's the accuser, the deceiver, the evil one, the father of lies, a murderer, the power of darkness, the ruler of demons, the tempter, a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and of course, the wicked one. Hmm. Doesn't sound like a good guy to me. I don't know about you. But then the, another big lie is, number seven, that all religions, they say, are the same. UFO entities would have you and I believe that all religions, except Orthodox Christianity, are of equal merit. They teach that we are at the threshold of a new age of occult enlightenment, and that extraterrestrial entities are now present to assist mankind into leaving the, quote "old ways and adjusting to the new age of spiritual advancement, which includes acknowledging that Jesus, they say, is but just one of many great teachers like Buddha or Muhammad or Confucius. And they say that they have come, uh, all of these, uh, Jesus, Buddha, Muhammad, have come from the ETs, they say, uh, to assist mankind in our next step of evolution, okay? Now, before I continue, first of all, notice how, once again, the lie of evolution is needed to get us to buy into this lie. First, the UFOs say we evolve physically, but now, with their help, we are going to be evolving spiritually. Okay, and second, all religions being one, hey, that's definitely not what Jesus said. John chapter 14, verse six says this, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the light. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. And John 14, verse seven through 10 says, if you really knew me, Jesus said, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip said, "'Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us.' And Jesus answered, "'Don't you know me, Philip, "'even after I've been among you for such a long time? "'Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father.' "'How can you say, show us the Father? "'Don't you believe that I am in the Father, "'and that the Father is in me? "'The words I say to you are not just my own. "'Rather, it's the Father living in me, "'who is doing his work.'" Okay? Now, I would say, based on those texts there from Jesus, That's a little bit different than Buddha or Muhammad or Confucius, okay? Especially when you consider the fact that Jesus rose again from the grave and is still alive. Uh, But those guys, they're dead. I consider that a major difference. And so once again, it's a good thing (laughs) that nobody is listening to this lie from the UFO occupants that all religions are the same, right? Well, unfortunately, just like the other lies, this one too is also gaining ground. As well let's take a look
3: peace it should be the natural order peace why is it so hard to find peace why do people try so hard to prevent it why do so many people divide split and fracture the one face of humanity is there something you can do to heal the violence? Yes, religiously motivated violence can end. This is your invitation to be a peace builder. In the year 2000, a unique global community took the initiative to end religiously motivated hate and violence by founding the United Religions Initiative. Because of URI, Indians and Pakistanis of diverse faith are looking beyond the boundaries that divide them. Because of URI, Christian and indigenous peoples of Latin America are creating a new world of mutual respect. Because of URI, Jews, Muslims, Christians, and Druze in the Middle East are learning that the only real security is peace. In just a few short years, the United Religions Initiative has spread to 50 countries on five continents. In a few short years, former enemies have stopped seeing each other as the other and started seeing each other as themselves. Baha'i, Christian, Muslim, Jew, Zoroastrian, Buddhist, Sikh, Hindu. All around the world, URI is helping people experience the shared human face behind the different human faiths. Achieving on a deep, Personal, spiritual level, what impersonal governments and organizations have been unable to accomplish before. Now, more than ever, this initiative must become a shared initiative. One neighborhood, one community, one region at a time. One of the mistakes that human beings make is believing that there is only one way to live and that we don't accept that there are diverse ways of being in the world, that there are millions of ways. To be a human being. And and many ways, no, but many paths to what you call God. And her path might be something else, and when she Mm -hmm. gets there, she might call it the light. But her loving and her kindness and her
8: generosity brings her if it brings her to the same point that it brings you, it doesn't matter whether she called it God along the way or not. And I guess the danger that could be on that, I mean it it sounds great on the onset, but if you really look at both sides,
9: I think. There couldn't possibly
8: be just one way. What what about
9: she's what about Jesus? Bring them up in whole and you say there isn't only one way. There is one way and only one way, and wouldn't that wouldn't is through Jesus. There couldn't so. possibly be with Because the millions you of people say in the world. there isn't. There couldn't possibly be. Because you say, you intellectualize it and say there isn't. If no. you don't believe that,
8: you're all buying into the lie.
3: Today's opening prayer will be offered by a guest chaplain, Mr. Rajan Zed of the Indian Association of Northern Nevada.
1: Lord Jesus, forgive us, Father, for allowing the prayer of the wicked, which is an abomination in Your sight.
3: To be all the sergeant at arms will restore order in the Senate. We shall have no other gods before You. You are the one who the, se- the, the sergeant at arms will restore order in the chamber.
1: Let me ask you some questions about faith, which is a tough subject to talk about. Do we all worship the same God, Christian and Muslim? I think we do. It does we have different routes of getting to the Almighty? Do Christians and non-Christians, do Muslims go to heaven, in your mind? Yes, they do. We have different routes of getting there. The Vatican and the Roman Catholic Church. Its Pope is currently leading the greatest ecumenical movement in history in order to unite all religions under Rome's leadership. In 1986, Pope John Paul II gathered in Assisi, Italy, the leaders of the world's major religions, to pray for peace. There were snake-worshippers, fire-worshippers, spiritists, animists, Buddhists, Muslims, Hindus, North American witch-doctors. I watched in astonishment as they walked to the microphone to pray. The Pope said they were all praying to the same God, and that their prayers were creating a spiritual energy that was bringing about a new climate for peace. John Paul II allowed his good friend the Dalai Lama to put the Buddha on the altar in St. Peter's Church in Assisi and with his monks to have a Buddhist worship ceremony there while Shintoists chanted and rang their bells outside. The prophesied world religion is in the process of being formed before our eyes. There is a major effort taking, uh, taking uh, place to curb free speech in this country irrespective of our Constitution, our Bill of Rights, And free speech advocates say the United Nations has come down on precisely the wrong side. The United Nations has adopted what it calls a resolution combating defamation of religions. The United Nations now wants to make that anti-blasphemy resolution binding on member nations, including, of course, our own. That would make it a crime in the United States if the United
4: Nations were to have its way to criticize religion. And again, unfortunately, not again so surprisingly, The eighth lie that they would teach is of all people, not only the devil, but the Antichrist himself is also good. UFO entities even teach that we should not neglect the fact that we need to submit to some drastic forms of authoritarian social control because it is necessary to assure the survival of the planet. They say that mankind needs to unite into a one world government and religion or we will be destroyed as seen in this next video.
10: Declassified U.S. government documents and witness testimony from former or retired U.S. military personnel confirm beyond any doubt the reality of ongoing UFO incursions at nuclear weapons sites. When I say UFO, the witnesses have described these craft as disc-shaped, or cylindrical shaped or spherical. These objects are capable of both hovering and high-velocity flight, usually, usually completely silently. Over the past 37 years, I have personally located and interviewed more than 120 of these former or retired military personnel, all of whom report UFO incidents at one or more of the following locations. Nuclear missile sites, nuclear weapons storage areas, and nuclear weapons test sites in Nevada and the Pacific during the era of atomic atmospheric testing. I believe, these gentlemen believe, that this planet is being visited by beings from another world who, for whatever reason, have taken an interest in the nuclear arms race which began at the end of World War II. Regarding the missile shutdown incidents, my opinion, their opinion, is that whoever are aboard these craft are sending a signal to both Washington and Moscow, among others, that we are playing with fire, that the possession and threatened use of nuclear weapons potentially threatens the human race and the integrity of the planetary environment. Then they
4: further speculate that in order for the world to be at peace and harmony, there must be a new world order, universal monetary system, a world authority on food, health and water, a universal tax, a, listen, one world leader, and the abolishment of Christianity. Well, wait a second. First of all, why, once again, do you pick on just Christianity, even to the point where you want to eradicate it? And secondly, I mean, surely nobody's fallen for this ridiculous lie. Well, actually, folks, leaders in the government think it's precisely why UFOs are here, to save us from certain destruction, as seen in this next video. Let's take a look. I was
0: abducted by aliens. These terrifying words have been spoken by people who claim to have had close encounters with little gray beings.
2: Some of these grays have a very dark agenda.
0: The grays
7: are allegedly an alien species that have been reported countless times.
0: It's been going on for thousands of years. There is multiple species and we have been visited multiple occasions. We've had descriptions of Greys for over 40 years. There was the Roswell incident, outer limits, close encounters of the third car. We're going to meet with Miriam Delacato to hear about her encounters with Greys.
2: It was October 1988. We were driving from northern British Columbia and all of a sudden, out of absolutely nowhere, these lights appeared behind the car. It was almost as wide as two lanes. We actually thought that they were a big truck or something. The lights started popping on and off. The girl driving started to get really afraid. um, And then all of a sudden out of absolutely nowhere, I said to her, pull over the car. It's not you they want, it's me.
7: What possessed you to say that?
2: I really didn't know at that point. We walked on board this craft and they sat me down on this chair and in front of me came a screen out of thin air and then they started showing me all of these different images.
0: What kinds of images were these?
2: Images of um, catastrophes on the planet. Earthquakes, uh, solar flares, war. And I was shown all of these different what I believe is sort of like timelines and paths that humanity could take and then I was explained how if we came together as um, as a species that we would be able to avoid any and all of these events.
4: So what is the purpose of all this?
2: What are they trying to do? It was explained to me that they are the caretakers of this Earth and that their purpose in being here is to help enlighten us, make us aware of who we are, and to make sure that we do not destroy ourselves or the planet.
4: Well, this is very interesting what Miriam is telling us about the greys showing her pictures of wars and the way we're harming the planets. It sounds to me like they're bringing a benevolent message that they're trying to help us. It doesn't sound to me like these are aliens that wish us harm. Oh, but that's not all. Others say that the aliens are not only here to save us from blowing ourselves up, but they say that they've also come to free us from the evil grip of corporations that are hindering us from experiencing global peace and prosperity and utopia, like this next video shows. Let's take
0: a look. My name is Foster Gamble, and I have spent nearly a lifetime trying to figure out what happened that could account for the staggering agony and deprivation on this planet. I set out on a journey seeking to answer questions like, is it even possible for humans to thrive? I found a code, a pattern in nature that's been embedded in arts and icons throughout the centuries.
1: Yes, there have been crashed craft and bodies recovered.
3: But who do you tell that you were involved in a uh, UFO incident without them looking at you like you, you ain't wrapped too tight?
5: It's not etched into the rock, it's not carved, it's burned into the atomic structure in some extraordinary way.
0: I believe that they're giving us a model for accessing energy in a clean, safe, limitless way. That could completely revolutionize the way all people live. Right here in this toroid, we have enough energy to transform the entire Earth. And that's not just a theoretical statement, it's literally true.
1: The energy is extracted from the fabric of the space around us, which means it cannot be metered. That is a direct threat to the single
3: largest industry in the world.
0: Energy. The suppression of UFO phenomena is hand in hand with the suppression of so-called free energy. An elite group of people and the corporations they run have gained control over not just our energy, food supply, education, and healthcare, but over virtually every aspect of our lives. The way the system of medicine is set up, medical education is funded by
5: pharmaceutical companies. We have a privately owned central bank system disguised as a government-owned system.
9: There is no other agency of government which can overrule actions that we take.
0: It gives them the ability to print money in a way that the insiders are protected and everybody else is trained.
6: No matter where you go in the world, he who controls the money controls the world.
4: Now, that might sound all well and good, but uh, it's definitely politically correct these days. But little do people know that these suggestions from UFO occupants to save our planet from nuclear threat and even evil corporations and then submit ourselves to a one-world ruler who will oversee a one-world government, a one-world economy, and a one-world religion just so happens to be what the Bible describes as the antichrist kingdom that arises in the last days and gives birth to the seven-year tribulation which again, as we saw earlier, Jesus said it's going to be mankind's worst nightmare. Revelation chapter 13, verses 5 through 9, 11 through 17 states this The beast, or Antichrist, was given a mouth to utter proud words and blasphemies, and to exercise his authority for 42 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God, and to slander his name and his dwelling place, and those who live in heaven. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them and he was given authority over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast, all whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. He who has an ear, let him hear. Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. He exercised all the authority of the first beast on his behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed, and he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. Because of these signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast or the antichrist, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. He also forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead, so that no one could buy or sell unless he had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name." Now, folks, come on. I don't think that's a coincidence. UFOs are helping prepare people with their false teachings to… to what? Of all things? To accept the rise of the Antichrist kingdom? hey, that truly is the great last day's deception. And again, stop and think about all this logically, okay? I mean, think about it. Come on, you came all the way to earth uh, just to what? To promote and help the rise of the Antichrist? Uh, to promote occult New Age teachings and again to debunk only Christianity? I mean, come on, you think you would come here to share with us some secret technology or or help us with a cure for cancer or, or, or you know, since you're much more supposedly superior intellectual intellectual than us uh, and you're supposed to be higher evolved. Why don't you do something like that? I mean, that's what you would uh, logically expect. But no, you come all the way, supposedly, across the universe just to slam Jesus, just to mock uh, and disrupt Christianity and to discount the Bible and promote the Antichrist kingdom? Hey, folks, come on. That sounds demonic to me. And again, but that's not all. If that wasn't bad enough, then they had the audacity to teach that the seven-year tribulation, which we already saw, Jesus said, is going to be the worst time in mankind's history. They actually teach that that time period that is coming is not something to be concerned about. No, it's not something to be avoided. No, don't listen to Jesus. They would actually say that the seven-year tribulation is something to look forward to, okay? In fact, let's take a look first at how the Bible describes this period and you tell me if this is something we should be looking forward to. Let's take a look. look at the events of the seven-year tribulation according to the Bible. Of course, it starts off in Revelation chapter 6 with the sealed judgments. The first seal is the white horse rider and at this point is going to be a global false peace. And then the second seal is the red horse rider and all of a sudden there's going to be a global war on the planet. The third seal is the black horse uh, rider and that's going to be a global famine across the planet. The fourth seal is the pale horse rider or global death and this is where one-fourth of mankind is going to be killed either by the sword or by famine or by plague or even by wild beasts, okay. Then you have the fifth seal and that's the altar of souls and there's global persecution taking place. Then there's the sixth seal which is quote the beginning of the great tribulation and this unleashes a global earthquake The sun turns to black, the the moon turns to red, asteroids fall to the earth, the sky recedes, mountains and islands are removed from their places, and there's a global fear of God's wrath. And people try to hide, but it's just not going to happen. And this leads, of course, to the next judgments, the trumpet judgments. This starts with the opening of the seventh seal, and there's silence in heaven. And there's the first trumpet, it's with hail and fire. Uh, fall on the earth and one-third of the earth and uh, the trees and all the green grass, it's all burned up across the planet. The second trumpet, there's a huge asteroid and because of it, one-third of the sea dies and one-third of the ships around the world are destroyed. Then there's the third trumpet, which is a blazing comet slams into the earth and this causes one-third of the rivers and fresh water to become bitter and the text says that many people die. Then we have the fourth trumpet and that's a a solar smiting of sorts and that's where one-third of the sun, uh, sun, one-third of the moon, and one-third of the stars are struck, one-third of the day and night are without light. You have the fifth trumpet and that's where Satan releases demon hordes of locusts and uh, people who take the mark get tortured horribly for five months. Then you have the sixth trumpet, and that's where four angels are loose from the river Euphrates, and one third of mankind are killed in that single judgment right there. Now, again, keep in mind, one fourth has already been uh, killed. Now, another one third of the population of the planet is decimated, and this leads, of course, to the bowl judgments. Here you have the first bowl, and all of a sudden, ugly, painful sores uh, break out on the people who received the mark of the beast. The second bowl. When it's poured out, all the sea turns into blood, and all, every single creature in the sea dies. The third bowl is poured out, and all the rivers, not just a third, all the rivers, all the fresh water turns into blood. The fourth sun, uh, the fourth bowl happens, and then all of a sudden the sun turns it up a notch, and the sun scorches people with fire, and, and they're just, uh, just so hot and thirsty, and the, the people begin to curse God. The fifth bowl is unleashed, and that's where the kingdom of the Antichrist is plunged into darkness. The sixth bowl is poured out and the river Euphrates is, is drying up. is dried up and it prepares the way for the kings of the east for the battle of Armageddon. Uh, you have three evil frog-like spirits that deceive the whole world to dupe them uh, for the, uh, to go into the battle of Armageddon. And these come out of the mouth of Satan, out of the mouth of the Antichrist, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. And then finally, the seventh bowl is poured out. There's a huge final pronouncement from God and it simply says, it is done. And then the greatest of all earthquakes in the history of mankind occurs. The Bible says that every island, every mountain, everything is completely wrenched from its place. There's a new look for Jerusalem. It gets split into three. Uh, All the cities in the whole planet, every single one of them collapse. God pours out a cup of wrath for Babylon for all the things that uh, she did, and all the islands and the mountains on the planet, the Bible says, are gone. And then a massive hailstorm takes place. The hail, each hail of the hailstorm, is about a hundred pounds apiece, folks. That's how bad it is. And then there's an angel harvest of the righteousness, and then there's the angel harvest of unrighteousness. And blood as high as a horse's bridle, which is about four feet deep, and it flows for sixteen hundred stadia, or for about two miles. Now, folks, I don't know about you, but would appear to me, according to the Bible, uh, that time frame, the seven-year tribulation, what we just saw, and that's just a few of the characteristics, uh, that's not going to be a pleasant time. That, that's not something that uh, I personally uh, is, would be looking forward to, okay, yet that's exactly what these so-called space brothers, these UFO entities out there, are saying. They say the tribulation period is going to be wonderful, okay, because it's going to help us evolve uh, as mankind spiritually so that we can create our own utopia and, and blessing here on the planet. In fact, here's what they have to say about that. They say climatic shifts, droughts, floods, acid rain and pollution, earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, although severe, These changes will pave the way for a cleansing of the earth and a new relationship between earth and man. This will be the day of purification. Trees will die. Cold places will become hot. Hot places will become cold. Lands will sink into the ocean and lands will rise out of the sea. All the suffering going on in this country with the tornadoes and floods and earthquakes is carried on by the breath of Mother Earth because she is in pain. This battle will cleanse the heart of people and restore our Mother Earth from illness and the wicked will be gotten rid of. Really? So being left behind to face all these atrocities is a good thing? And only those nasty, wicked people will be gotten rid of? In fact, folks, here's one of their promotional videos encouraging us to think this way. Let's take a look.
9: All around the planet, people are awakening to the reality that humanity and the Earth are now entering a heightened phase of activity on their inseparable journeys of growth and expansion. This acceleration is marked by the increasing intensity of global events and by the rising temperature of nearly every planet in our solar system. While here on Earth, time itself seems to be speeding up and chaos mounting as phenomenal shifts occur in our physical and perceptual realities with increasing rapidity. The simplest explanation behind this sense of speeding up is that our planet's vibrational frequency is rising. This event, which many ancient cultures have prophetically termed the quickening, has begun and it is the greatest opportunity of our times. For we believe that by expanding our imaginations to explore possible future events, we may prevent ourselves from reacting in fear should the previously unimagined become manifest. And as a result of having already experienced these events in our minds, we will be more centered and able to see the opportunities they present should they or something similar occur. And so, with this understanding of the power of imagination as a means by which we may navigate the unknown, this presentation will not only explore what sorts of events could occur between now and October that might lead to the end of the world as we know it, but we will also look at how such events, regardless of how challenging they may seem, could serve to bring humanity to a global experience of unity consciousness that would then lead us into a harmonious new existence and to our return to the long prophesied experience of heaven on earth. This anticipated period of great change and purification, which many believe will happen sometime between now and 2012, is referred to as the shift of the ages. And though there are those who believe that the shift is some grand event that is going to occur in the outer physical world or in the cosmos at some point in the not too distant future, bringing either salvation or destruction to the world, there are others who believe that the shift is happening right now, and in fact that it has been and will always be happening. For these people believe that the shift can be experienced at any moment by anyone who is willing to make the internal shift back to one.
4: I am ready for the next step in humanity's evolution.
2: And now we must seek to unite with others.
4: Time has come to live
8: for each other.
9: Let us now consider how the events that are set to unfold in the next few months could assist humanity in its evolution, from a purely material-based perspective of existence to one more rooted in spirituality. As mentioned before, there are many people in the world today who, because of their focus on material success and survival, will not spare a second thought for their soul or spiritual self until they are faced with death, suffering, and the inevitable collapse of everything they have come to depend on in the material world. Thus in accordance with the familiar phrase that, it is always darkest before the dawn. It is our belief that in the coming months the world will be required to experience a level of death and destruction that will encourage its material-obsessed inhabitants to return to a more spiritual-based perspective of existence. And though it's understandable that the collapse of our material world and its systems could be quite a frightening experience, it is essential to understand here that those who learn to have faith in the spiritual purpose of these events will be given the tools and awareness that will allow them to face and flow through all of the challenges of the coming shift in relative grace and ease. And with this perspective, one may learn to move through the events of the coming months with a heart full of love and gratitude, rather than being consumed by hate and fear. And it is the power of this faith to bring us peace that is being referred to in the Hopi prophecy of the blue and red kachinas, when it says, Life will get very perverted, and there will be little social order in these times. Many will ask for the mountains themselves to fall upon them just to end their misery, while still others will appear as if untouched by what is occurring. For they are the ones who remember the original teachings, and who have reconnected their hearts and spirit. When the purifier comes, many things will begin to occur that will not make sense reality will be shifting back in and out of the dream state. Things unseen will be felt very strongly. There will be many strange beasts upon the earth in those days, some from the past and some that we have never seen. The nature of mankind will appear strange in these times we walk between the worlds, and we will house many spirits even within our bodies. After a time we will again walk with our brothers from the stars and rebuild this earth, but not until the purifier has left his mark upon the universe.
4: So, wait a second. Um, Being left behind to face the horrible realities of the seven-year tribulation is actually a uh, great thing? It's a badge of honor? Instead of this is the hand of God, this is His judgment? Hey folks, that's pretty slick if you put all that together. And that's exactly what this man has to say. Let's take a look. And here's what Stuart Goldman says about UFOs. He, first of all, is a journalist, and he concludes his research on UFOs with these comments, quote, The unpleasant fact is 50,000 people cannot be lying. Something is here probing people, inspecting them, and planting thoughts in their minds, manipulating their bodies, treating them, in a sense, like so many cattle. Is it all simply a gigantic cosmic joke, or is there a more sinister plot at hand? Are we seeing the formation of a new and highly destructive cult, one whose view posits the elimination, the New Agers call it spiritual cleansing, of people who are unfit to exist in the coming new world? Are there really demonic entities hovering about, searching for likely candidates whose brains and minds they can invade, filling them full of fairy tales and lies, fattening them for the kill? Uh, and the answer would be yes. Why? Because that's what demons do. They lie. These are the kind of things you would expect them to teach, these kind of lies. Let's take a look at that text again John chapter 8, verse 44. The Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 44, You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning. John chapter 10, verse 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Folks, all these signs uh, of the planet experiencing increasing turmoil and unrest, uh, increasing earthquakes and destruction, it has nothing to do with mankind getting ready to evolve spiritually into this so-called Age of Utopia. It was the signs given by Jesus Christ nearly 2,000 years ago that is telling us that His return is imminent. And we better get ready because when He does, uh, it's not going to be uh, pretty as this next video clearly demonstrates. And so out of love and mercy, God gave us something called his law or the Ten Commandments. It's kind of like his x-ray into our heart to show us what he already knows, that he is holy and that we are not. And it's this unholiness or sin that separates us from him. Let's take a look at God's x-ray, if you will, his divine law to show us what he already knows. The Ten Commandments, uh, the ninth one says this, you shall not bear false witness okay, that's called lying, okay, and if you've ever told a lie once, which we all have, myself included, the Bible says that makes you a liar, okay, the, the, another commandment says you shall not steal, okay, Uh, and you might think, well, that's something that everybody does, well, it doesn't make it right, and it demonstrates what God is trying to show us, that uh, we all have sin, and it's separating us from him, Even if you took a pencil in the third grade from somebody, if you did it without permission, that's stealing. And so now you've become a thief. The Bible says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. And how interesting it is and unfortunate that the only name under heaven by which men might be saved, the name Jesus Christ, has now become a common cuss word. The Bible says that God is so holy that even his name is holy. If you've taken the Lord's name in vain, And used it as a cuss word or even flippantly. The Bible calls that the sin of blasphemy. And so now you become a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus says if you even look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. And finally the Bible says uh, you shall not murder. And you might think, well hey, I haven't done that one. Really? Well again the Bible says that the sin of hatred is the same As the sin of murder. The only difference is you pulled the trigger, if you will, in your heart. You wish they were dead. And in God's eyes, it's the same thing in principle. Folks, that's only just a couple of the Ten Commandments. We didn't even go through all of them. But I think you're starting to get the picture. The Bible is correct. We have all fallen short of the glory of God, myself included. And that we are separated from God as a result. And so when our time comes, we're not automatically going to heaven. We are headed for judgment. We are headed for hell. Now let me tell you the good news. The good news is that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to save us. Jesus Christ died on the cross. It was the death penalty of its day. He paid in full uh, the price for our sins to be forgiven. Let me give you an analogy. For instance, even today, we could see that a person could commit a crime. Uh, They they cannot reverse it. The the sentence has been passed. The judge has uh, slammed his gavel and they are ushered off into their jail cell. And in this particular crime, they are going to receive the death penalty. And so they're behind bars just waiting for the time, waiting for the call for them to go and uh, receive the death penalty. But believe it or not, as we know, there is a way that a person can get off a death row.